everybody, my name is Alec, and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio. So, before we get started, I just want to thank everybody for listening to my episode with special guests Slate and Zane from anime, of MCS Anime. And um, my next Sunday show will actually be, uh, like, the first, third, I want to say, of my guest appearance on their podcast. I don't want to spoil the whole podcast for them, so if you really want to listen to it after you hear that episode this Sunday, feel free to go find them on whatever podcast app you are using to listen to me right now, and I hope you like the, our Doro Hedoro conversation from last week, and I will say I'm, I'm constantly surprised that you guys like all the like weird production insidery stuff I'm doing with um, Sunday Edition, and the reason that I'm actually posting something different on Sunday Edition is because, A, I want to share the love, but B, that, that version of this show takes a lot of work, and I want to make sure that I continue to put something out that's worthwhile and is considered, and posting something like a 30-minute preview of MCS anime will give me the space to do that for the following Sunday. So, hopefully, if I don't fuck that up, too. But, that said, I what we'll be talking about this week on the third day show is a little anime you might have heard of. I mean, you, you might have heard of it. It's, it's called One Piece. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, you didn't hear me? It's called One Piece. Tommy, Mese, Shikara. This is the one who's been able to get the Kaizoku Gold Roger. If I'm being honest, I have a more than passing 
let's call it fascination with old shows that have been fucked with. And what I mean by that is I have a fascination with shows where the original goal of the show was not to show it at necessarily as intended. It was to show it in a way that is skewed to make an American kid think that it is just another cartoon that they love, but it's just another cartoon. And which, uh, and I talked about this on my Sunday edition about about um, anime about edited anime about edits that were done to anime usually in the 90s but in one piece is, but in most cases it's hard to see in, with hindsight sight, it's hard to see why some old balding white TV executive would look at something like car capture soccer and say I bet we could cut this up and make it seem like we're airing it for boys. Like, that, that seems fucking insane. That is actual insanity. But in One Piece's case, it's different. And the reason why I say that is because if you, if you watch One Piece now, uh, even if you watch One Piece then, and this is kind of the reason why, they, why four kids probably did this this way, it really lends itself to a quote-unquote westernization. And the reason why I say that is because there's not much, it doesn't have much of the problem that lots of anime has, which is Japanese culture leaking into it. There are obviously subdued stuff that maybe I don't even pick up, but with the exception of maybe the treatment of the Marine Corps, uh, they don't really they don't really have like a the story doesn't have a Japanese structure and I read I forget what I where I came across this but I saw that all of the characters are di different nationalities Zoro is obviously is supposed to be coded Japanese Luffy is Brazilian Usopp is African um, Nami is something else. Frankie is American. And I think Brooke, I don't think he's French. Actually, he might be French. But I, I'm not sure is the point. But he, but they, the show, and knowing that watching the early parts of the show, you really get this sense of globalness with the show. And up until the arc that I believe they're still in now in One Piece, which is a... They're on this samurai-themed island. The show has not really been overtly... Culturally Japanese. It fits into Japanese culture because it is so... Intensely popular. And it has... Aspects of it. But there's nothing about one piece that would at first glance tell you hey this is a product that only Japan could produce it is a product that probably only Ichiro Oda could produce but it's not it doesn't feel culturally distinct in a way 
that is similar to something like Carcaft and Sakura, something like Pokemon, or something like even Sailor Moon. Because Sailor Moon is has this core center of Japanese high school girl fashion. That makes any sense. That's not all it's about, but it's it's a lot of its visual motif. And I'm not saying that that's a good or a bad thing. Like I, there's plenty of shows that are clearly culturally Japanese that are amazing. There's plenty of shows that ignore that that are amazing. But what happens a lot in Japanese anime is the, and it happens in everything. To be clear, I'm not saying that this is only a fault of the Japanese animation industry or anime or whatever. So push that out of your head. It happens in everything. Is that country's culture leaks into the product no matter what you do. And one of the things I'm most impressed by is that Ichiro Oda is very deliberate with where he puts that stuff. When you first see the headquarters of the Marine Corps, it is a very deliberate reference to the old world of the samurai and the like world of that kind of in some cases involved into which is the world of the Yakuza and organized crime. Since if you don't know about Japanese history, many samurai ended up being Yakuza in the Meiji era because there was no place for them anymore. So they just kind of drifted into sword crimes. And what that creates is this opportunity for a truly unique show, for a show that is more pirate fiction than anime almost, if that makes any case, if that makes any sense. So the thing about pirate stuff is it all has a specific feel and that feel is probably best displayed actually in Pirates of the Caribbean. Pirates of the Caribbean is this sprawling pirate epic that takes place over like fucking nine million movies. Who knows how many? They're probably not done with them yet Um, because there is no god if 2020 has proven that out. And the other thing about One Piece that I would imagine Oda did intentionally with the character designs and the world design, it has this... It's certainly anime. It's certainly anime in aesthetics, but it has this quality that is... very Western-inspired. The, the characters feel... Like they have a more Western design, more traditionally Western, traditional cartoons style and influence than lots of stuff that is described as anime-esque. Than lots of animes tend to allow themselves to take. Their feel, I mean, if we're being honest, the character of Luffy is a thought experiment in 
the idea of squash and stretch. <laughs> and if you don't know what squash and stretch is, squash and stretch is the term used for the like stretching and compressing, I don't want to use the word squashing, um, of characters to, to exaggerate motion to make the viewer see motion more clearly. And this is often used in in-between cells for traditional American animations like Bugs Bunny, like um, basically any of the Looney Tunes, um, any, any of the Hanna-Barbera stuff, Tom and Jerry, on and on down the list. It is a traditional animation technique that oftentimes is avoided in anime because the style choices of anime lend themselves more to a hyper-detailed look than oftentimes squash and stretch lends itself to, if that makes any sense. And so you have this show that is a very westernized concept and a show that looks to this day looks nothing like any other anime out there which is impressive there are things that imitate it but it doesn't it sprinkles a little a few like little nods to things in along its run but it doesn't It doesn't feel, other stuff feel like it, but it doesn't feel like other stuff. And because of the structure of the show, where they are literally island hopping every, like, couple to every, of episode to every season, god damn it, they can change what they are all the time. It has this very JoJo's-esque quality to it, in that, you can have a Ace Rescue Pirate War arc, and then seasons later, you can just do a samurai, do a samurai arc on a completely different island that is divorced from what happened, that is at least structurally divorced from what happened seasons before, or even a season before. And this also makes it great for things like movies. If you notice, I allow myself to talk about shonen shows on this podcast more because they are this, in some cases, never-ending never run, like, life cycle, and I don't want to be in the place where I'm covering hundreds of episodes at once. That's just, like, that serves nobody any good. But... My point, at least my first point here is, is that if I were a TV executive and I was looking for a show that I felt like I could wipe clean of foreign stuff and just put on TV, One Piece would be a strong contender. It, it wouldn't happen now, and there were all kinds of FCC things that happened with One Piece because, you know, they, they drink on that show. They, 
Sanji smokes in like every frame he's in on that show. So, it, they had to change that. And when I say they had to change that, I talked about this in the editing episode a little bit, but just once again, the FCC, the government body that controls what you can show on television, has very specific rules. And when you see that little like rating thing like Y7 or PG-13 or TV-13 in case TV or TV TVR or something in the top corner, the top left-hand corner, the FCC designates that stuff. And if you have a certain thing, if you have certain things in your shows, they can't go on in certain time slots because, at least in America, they've deemed something like excessive uses, excessive use of drugs and alcohol as something that will earn you a you know, TV 17 rating, and that means you can only be shown at like 10 o'clock at night or something. So, changing his cigarette to a lollipop and and um, changing the wine all to grape juice, which is insane, is, was their way around that, was their way of making that a cartoon they could show you on Saturday morning. And I don't support things like the pirate rap, although that song will always be stuck in my head. But I do, I am aware of the reality of the FCC because I took the radio broadcaster test, which is what you take to become one of four classes of DJ. I passed it, but I'm only a class four. Um, but that's what needed to happen for you to see that show as a kid on TV. So, yes, those edits are dumb and they shouldn't have made them, but that is the only reason we all saw it on Fox Kids in the morning when we were kids. And, like, so my big memory of um, One Piece is from, is from seeing the episodes with Usopp. Seeing the, like, the end of the Usopp's arc when I was a kid on Fox in the morning. And to my credit, I did skip Usopp's arc when I, in my, in my like, Long ass attempt. I'm up to episode 50 now of rewatching One Piece because, say it with me, I hate myself. I I hate myself. I do. I, I really do. It's bad. Um, and there's so, even by episode 50, there are so many useless episodes in that shit. They have a wrap up episode after every arc. It's so painful. They have whole episodes where they don't just fucking, they just don't do anything. And, like, yes, it's important to let your story breathe, but fuck, man. I like, I guess, I, like, I watched Luffy get, Luffy gets announced to the world, and that was fine, but, like, 
the Logtown arc just makes me want to cry myself to sleep sometimes. God damn it. <laughs> and uh, and Slate said to me what, before and after we recorded the uh, podcast that I'm going to post on about Black Lagoon, the preview of about Black Lagoon on Sunday, that they just read it and they got and they're caught up. Him and his brother just read it and they're caught up. But like I, I want to fucking watch it because I'm, I'm I'm a nightmare human and I hate myself sometimes. But I, I got I got to episode fifty and I had enough thoughts on this show where I wanted to share them, and. My first thought was that, like, this show is amazingly keen to be westernized by idiots in the 90s. My second thought was, this show doesn't attempt to do what lots of anime, what lots of anime and media are starting to do. Which is, it does not attempt to make the adults the assholes all the time. There are... Times in this show when the adults are the assholes. Full stop. But more often than not, the adults aren't intentionally assholes. They, but they do have their own dreams and their own aspirations and their own desires. And are they always necessarily great parents? No. But do they also display clear regret? about having this, like, urge to, like, abandon their kid and go get on a boat. Also, yes. And it's... It's really important to the fabric of the show that you're aware of, like, the fact that even though Usab's father disappeared, I... He... He has regret about that. He's trying to live his dream, but he lived it in a life of regret and, like, melancholy sadness because he knows he's a piece of shit who left his son. And that's why when he encountered dad... I can't believe I'm going to say this out loud. Daddy the father, the bounty hunter of legend, he straight up was like, dude, I fucked this up. I fucked this up. But there's still time for you. Fucking leave the Marines. Do something where you can be with your daughter. Constantly. And Daddy the Father goes and does that. To the chagrin and ire of the world. He becomes renowned for just fucking dropping out of the Marines and just becoming a bounty hunter for seemingly no fucking reason. And the story presents you that it, all this kind of like odd information in less of a way where it's telling where it's telling you the viewer than it's telling you the viewer and it's telling character diegetically in the show. I think it's diegetically. I think that's the word. I'm trying to use that word. Be proud of me. Um, but, so, the way it 
preaches that kind of stuff isn't just a lesson to you. It isn't just an explainer to you, the viewer. It's an explainer, generally, to another character. And the other thing about the show is that it's really good at injecting moments of levity in its serious, big fights and injecting and using Luffy as a cartoon character. So often in the big, in the, in the big shonen shows, I've said the big four of One Piece, Naruto, Bleach, fucking Dragon Ball Z. So often in those four shows, the main character, the big good guy, is like this pure, serious hero character. And Luffy has those moments. He has those heroic moments. But they're mixed in with this goofiness that is just fun. It's just fun to watch. The scene where he takes Arlong's teeth and puts them over his teeth. And he's like, now I have shark teeth. Is just the best. It's the best to encounter because it makes you feel good in the middle of this, like, supposedly serious fight. And it pisses Arlong off. But you the view. And then they pan over Zoro and he's like, What did you expect? It's fucking Lucy. God damn it, I'm going to sleep. And it's just. The show... The... One Piece wants you to have fun with its characters. As well as... Like, get the, like, pump up of the shonen goodness from its characters. It's not like Bleach. Where the Bleach comedic moments are these weird fucking interludes. That don't really come off as funny. It's not like Dragon Ball Z where much, much, much of the humor in Dragon Ball Z is injected into it by having seen all of Dragon Ball Z and knowing all the context and then also watching something like Dragon Ball Z A Bridge where it just lays it bare. I talked about um on, and you might hear it, I don't know if it's, before the 30-minute mark, so I can't tell you. But I talked about Helsing, the experience of watching Helsing Ultimate, and the experience of watching Helsing Ultimate Abridge on um, MCS Anime on their podcast. And once you watch Helsing Ultimate, and you also watch Helsing Ultimate Abridge, there'll be lots of Helsing Ultimate that you remember incorrectly because you're remembering the abridged version from Team Four Star. And that happens a lot also with Dragon Ball Z. The difference with the Dragon Ball Z stuff is that context is quietly there. And, they, and ultimately, um, the creators of that show are eventually making those jokes to you with like a wink and a nod that they know too. 
And things like Bleach are really self-serious, and Naruto is also really self-serious. So out of the four, One Piece has the unique distinction of this knowledge that it is, that it is at its heart, a fucking cartoon. And that's just, like, amazing to me. It, I, the, the fact that... And Gintama gets there, from what I've heard, but the fact that of the initial big four that we all grew up with, One Piece's big distinction, one of One Piece's big distinctions from the other one, and arguably the reason why it's been able to last for so long, is because it has this cartoon quality that continues to build on. Like, when Luffy starts to learn, learns, um, the, like, Fishman karate forms from, uh, Ju- I think Jubei is a big blue Fishman, ma- Fishman karate master's name, and he, like, learns, he, like, learns the skill of gears, and after he uses a certain gear, he turns into, like, Chibi Luffy, which is straight up like, oh, we're just making Gundam now, we're just gonna, like, sell a small Luffy to you idiots constantly. And, like, little touches like that all the way through the show allow you to still be in the cartoon of the cartoon, as well as the drama of the epic pirate adventures that are going on. And that's something that I don't think is appreciated that I'm sure is appreciated enough about One Piece, but I don't think it's recognized in anime enough because I thought about this with the new Apple, with the Apple WWDC presentation and they presented um, the at the screen adaptation of Foundation that they're bankrolling for 2021. But there can be this rush to provide a kind of content. In, like, prestige, quote-unquote, streaming right now, that rush is to present a certain kind of, like, Game of Thrones, dark, gritty, maybe sci-fi, maybe looking at real-world events a la something like The Morning Show kind of content. And there can be this threat that you forget where that there are other kinds of content to be made, if that makes any sense. And One Piece comes off as this beautiful, different thing. And it, as much as I, like, dread the fucking filler that I know will happen, or the fucking 900 episodes of trying to get Ace off a freaking chopping block and then failing and shit going sideways for another 900 episodes. As long as I, as much as I loathe that part of One Piece, I love the like weird inventive bizarre no whole barness to it where this but also I love that like 
the world feels like it knows about itself. It, you never feel like you're discovering something just for the first time. It feels like you're discovering things along with the, char the character in the show that they never knew were there. And that plus, I, I, I've seen post-time skip stuff too, but that post plus like, the fact, those are the unique opportunity that super long-running Shonen has. And I talked about this when I talked about um, Boruto, which you can go back and listen to my the episode about Boruto. It is quite popular um, <laughs> in the podcast feed. It's pretty early on, actually, in the podcast feed. But the amazing thing about Boruto is that you had, like, fucking nine zillion episodes of Naruto. That, that, show, that Boruto as a show just gets as a base to start from. And... Naruto got so, ran for so much time, ran for so long, that it had to interrogate and investigate every little thing about its world, and every little grain of sand in, like, the sandbox, so to speak. And a, a 12 to 24 episode show doesn't get to do that in the run of a season, it, necessarily in the run of a season. But when you have these endless spans of shows like One Piece, like Naruto, like apparently Boruto has turned into, like Bleach, like Dragon Ball Z, you get this opportunity where you can spend a maximum amount of time in that world, and the, the creators are indeed asking you for that. And it allows you to explore all of this shit. It allows you to, like, have these fabulous little details, like, what does a phone look like in one piece? I don't know, make it a snail that when you call the, someone else a snail, that snail speaks in that person's voice. Uh, the obsession with the ramen shop in Naruto. The, the fact that there are like two, two different military forces in Naruto and you know exactly what they are and how they use chakra and their like hierarchical structure. I, I'm talking about the ninja and the samurai. But One Piece clearly has has been has always been given the time to do that stuff and because of the expansiveness of its world and the length of its show, of its runtime and the way the show is structured of the characters like island hopping and all this shit they have this near infinite opportunity to Ichiro Oda has this near infinite opportunity do whatever he wants, as long as he gets to his end goal. Which, I should point out, there is an end goal for One Piece. He told one kid, because it was that kid's make-a-wish, that kid is dead. 
Once we get to reanimating kids in like 900 years, we need to reanimate that kid and be like, yo, how did the Oda plan on ending this shit? Bringing sure Oda parachutes through the fucking window and shoots him dead. And square in the forehead, he's like, you're dead again. Don't wake him up. Jumps off the window. Onto an animation desk on top of a... a with semi truck and start drawing more pages of fucking one piece. Cause that was his 45 minute break. And, but, the other thing about one piece is that even though it's stretches on forever, because of the way they structure it, you can get caught up in these, like, conflicts they become a part of in these like little in in all the arcs they're part once the crew in goes on a new arc of the story you can be invested in that arc for that season and then they're back out to see it and then another arc and why yes i do intensely dislike the i'm gonna call them spacer episodes because they're like wrap-up episodes at the end of every arc what those serve to do, they serve as a palate cleanser. They bring everything back down to earth. And then they ha have the character move on to the next arc of the show. And while, once again, that is in some cases not necessary and very obnoxious, it serves a functional purpose. And it serves a functional storytelling purpose. And it is intentional. And there are little, like, side filler episodes that don't need to be there, absolutely. But the world of One Piece is wondrous enough that it, to a certain extent, can support it. Now, granted, I may fucking come to this microphone or this headset since my microphone is broken I'm sorry <laughs> like a month from now I'm be like fucking don't watch One Piece it's not worth it everything is a lie fucking set my entire life on fire right now but I don't think I will because I've while I've attempted to watch One Piece a lot at least three times honestly um I don't the thing that gets me is never the world. I think the idea of Logtown is a cool, interesting story device of, like, Luffy encountering the real past. And I think, I think, so let me, let me just talk about Gold Roger for a minute. Let me just talk about One Piece's Pirate Jesus for a minute. The... The common myth, the like urban legend-esque common shared myth of Gold Roger, that Gold Roger, it seems clearly intended to turn himself into at a point, is very good. It, 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 it feels like a thing that could really happen. Like one day 
just someone fucking cool enough just became a pirate and they the world like the UN had to fucking cap this guy and before he went he was like go find my motherfucking treasure there would be a significant portion of the world that would be like tally ho let's go and it would be amazing but little touches like that to this world and to the operating principle of One Piece's world make it this real lived in fun cool thing and I I think I'm probably well aware that by Alabaster by the end of Alabaster I will be dogging by the end of Ace I will be fucking like <gasps> but I'll still have a deep appreciation for One Piece world because I've always had that it always has this life. It's just, just the timing of it is the the stretching out of it is the thing that gets you, and that's the thing that always gets you in shonen anime. It's not the fact that they run for insane amounts of time. It's the fact that they take too long because of the nature of the product of the kind of anime and entertainment they are and the kind of industry that pops up around them that it gives you an excuse to like sit back and be like I'm not going to watch One Piece for a couple hundred episodes maybe seven maybe I'll check in every I don't know 200 it'll be fine but the world isn't what gets you. It's the fact that all the little things that make the like wiki articles about those shows, about those characters, about those worlds great could be pressed together a little bit further and it makes the world feel really excellent. And I think that, I think in all honesty, the Fatigue that comes with the endless season approach to shonen anime is why you see things like a um, My Hero Academia, where it is doling that story out in seasonal chunks and taking a break. Because what that turns that into is it turns into okay, it's my it's My Hero Academia season. I'm all the way on, and then it allows you to just take a breather, to just take a breather and get ready for the next thing. In the best case scenarios, that kind of season structure applied to the shonen action properties. Hey guys, so sorry the podcast cut out there at the end, right there, but I pretty much said my piece. And so on that note, I hope you liked this episode. Sorry about the technical difficulties. But if you like this episode, you can subscribe to the podcast in whatever app you're using to listen to me right now. And you can keep an eye out for every Thursday and Sunday for new episodes. And if you want to leave a 
rating and review on iTunes. That really helps the show. But until next time, I've been Alex, and you've been listening to Lunchbox Radio, and I'll talk to you on Sunday.